Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of News of the Day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story. Binkley, take it away. The, the, I don't want to scoop you, so tell us what you got. All right. Let me make sure that we are up and going. Yes, we are up and going on Rockfin. Definitely wanted to make sure that was taken care of. Top story. World Economic Forum gives their explanation of the metaverse for us, which I thought was interesting because it had a little bit of a different twist than some of the other explanations that we've heard. They described the metaverse as extended reality, the combination of augmented reality, virtual and mixed reality. And that and they say that it will become a key medium for social and business engagement. They even stated that it is expected to be as transformative to society and industry as the mobile phone. That's a pretty big statement because the mobile phone has completely transformed society. It's yeah, but it is it almost in a way understates it because I think it tries to make it something that you can conceive of, whereas it seems exactly in line with the World Economic Forum's real purpose, which is the fourth industrial revolution, which blurs the lines between biology and technology. Absolutely. And they go on to talk about how they believe people will use it. They say the Internet today is often the main entry point for millions of us to access information and services, to communicate and to socialize, to sell goods for entertainment. And they say the metaverse is predicted to replicate the value proposition of all those things, with the main difference being that the distinction between being offline and being online will be much harder to delineate. Well, I I bet that has real psychological impact that we've talked about before. They've done studies on that that people can't recognize the difference of a memory that was in a virtual world or in the real world. Like six months later is uh, Stanford Institute. They study a lot of virtual, you know, how it affects people psychologically. And I actually watched the whole Facebook presentation that Zuckerberg gave, which was really long, but really kind of crazy. And in the video that we filmed later, I'm going to show you some of the clips, but Zuckerberg really wants you to live in a digital world as though it were the real world, kind of like the World Economic Forum is describing here. Like you won't be able to tell the difference. And they go on to talk about the digital economy. So this is the thing we we heard about NFTs, you know, and when NFTs came on. Non-fungible tokens. Yeah. People are like, what's an NFT? And I think we're starting to see where NFTs are going to have their place. The World Economic Forum says that the metaverse is expected to have a strong connection to the real world economy and eventually become an extension of the real world economy. In other words, the metaverse is going to have the ability for companies and individuals to participate in economic activity in the same way they do in the physical world, which means they can build products, sell products and goods and services on the digital or within the digital platform. And they say it's going to rely largely on non-fungible tokens as the foundation for value creation. Well, there's big problems with that. First of all, you have total surveillance and total control at all times. If you are non-compliant in any way, it's straight out of Black Mirror. And it's interesting to me that you mentioned Stanford. I assume you mean the Stanford Research Institute, which just it's mentioned. I mean, every chapter in the Jim Keith books that I've read that he's a like my favorite conspiracy researcher, and he did tons on uh, mind control and bioweapons, but I've read two books of his on mind control already, and they really feature heavily in Stanford, 
the Stanford Research Institute as an arm of the government. Yeah, that that Stanford Research Institute absolutely an arm of, of the government because you see their research being translated into actionable products and services. That I, it's really pretty interesting if you go look at their the latest research that they are developing. Well, that's the horrible continuum where they take government money, they give it to a university, which is supposedly private. The university then sells it to a corporation that has some kind of backdoor relationship with the government, no doubt, like Facebook and the rest of them. And people, you get people advocating for it as like research and progress and everything. And it's just another example of us paying for our own enslavement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I have an example here of a story today that I think that the World Economic Forum was alluding to when it comes to this economic activity in the metaverse world, which Mark Zuckerberg anticipates will start to kind of emerge in two to five years and then 10 years or so, you know, we're all just going to be we're all going to be a version of ourselves in the digital world and have headsets on us all the time. So Quentin Tarantino is going to be selling seven never before seen clips from Pulp Fiction as NFTs. And he's going to be selling them on a NFT marketplace called OpenSea. It's a secret NFT marketplace, apparently. (laughs) Not anymore. It's on the blockchain. Yeah. (laughs) So the idea is on the blockchain. So that person is going to be the only one who has access to it. And it's going to include commentary from him. And each one of these NFTs is going to be minted on the blockchain to have a verified identity, which makes them collectibles and makes them extremely valuable in the digital world, I guess. I mean, this is really... It's interesting stuff because it's it, since it is a new clip that you've never seen before, there is value there. But there's also this idea of it can just be taken away. It seems like you don't have a physical copy of it. It's like I remember I have a ticket from a, a Braves playoff game from years and years ago upstairs. I don't have a ticket for this most recent Braves playoff game I went to because it was a digital <laughs> ticket. So yeah. I, I guess it's like an NFT. It's like NFTs are the new memorabilia, the new, as they put it here, collector's well, items. But the idea is it's like Bitcoin, right? To the extent that Bitcoin doesn't yeah. really go away, I think. And I think they're trying to get you to think of it that way. So I still, after all these years of prepping for shows and everything, I still, I had to ultimately revert to a, a, a notebook and a pen. Like this always is, feels good that way. Yeah, there's just, and, they, and they have talked about how there is something about that writing to write stuff out, to write your notes out is uh, uh, penetrates deeper into your brain and your memory and your understanding. But they, they want you to make that leap to where the digital experience is the same. It can't, it cannot be the same, but they want us to get there. And that's part of it. But I wonder if you can like show someone it's the NFT itself is like a, is a length of time and right. I mean, it has to be, if it's a clip, is it? Yeah. Is so it a, can you show it to somebody? I was wondering the yeah, same thing. It's like a GIF or a GIF or whatever. Like, is it a, is it a second, two seconds or is it no, because it has commentary. So yeah, commentary, some, I think it's, oh, you get yeah. the exclude. You're the only one who gets that, that. I guess you can't copy it, right? Like you couldn't copy a Bitcoin. Right That's now. It. Yeah. Here's the thing. When well, you, have you can start copying Bitcoin. Yeah. The, the blockchain stuff. <laughs> 
these new technologies create new hackers like, or new methods for hackers are always going to be attempting to cyber hack something. It's just this constant back and forth of we're trying to make it more secure. Well, we're going to hack into your secure thing. And they do all that penetration so, testing and stuff. People will see the clip, but it'll be a counterfeit. It was like, oh you can God. watch it, there you go. but it's just a counterfeit. It's like, you, so you what? You leak a like, counterfeit clip yeah, of Tarantino. Yeah. That's going to happen. And it's going to be like a pirated clip. And it just all goes to the whole emperor's new clothes thing. I mean, it really literally has no inherent value whatsoever. But they, I mean, it's like anyone's fiat will work. So they, I hate to focus on the COVID stuff, but the Rand Paul Fauci thing was all over the news. And uh, what what I wanted to comment on was an a headline that I, that was kind of alongside that. I consider that a lot of histrionics. I don't know if we're ever going to get anywhere with that. Um, what annoys me about that conversation is that they talk about how either COVID came from a wet market where people just contracted it from an animal or it was leaks from a lab in Wuhan. But I always go back to the fact that Event 201 had the CDC of China alongside with the CDC of the U.S. talking about the novel coronavirus that would be 18 months forward from October 18, 2019, and it started to emerge in, in November, that it didn't leak. This was a plan. It was a plan. And then you have to start when you think of it that way, then you realize that the entire thing is a plan. The policy, the vaccines, everything is a plan. But by continuing to act like the debate is whether it was organically released into the population or accidentally released into the population avoids the real question is if it was intentionally released. It's kind of like the 9-11 lie hop, let it happen on purpose theory, which exonerates the guys who actually plotted it inside the U.S. government. So that annoys me. But there is a so then another kind of Republican uh, look like you're doing something important, but really isn't that going to make that much of a difference is um Joni Ernst, I think her name is, is a legislator who introduced the Fauci Act, which, of course, stands for something. I don't know. But it bans U.S. funding for gain of function research in China. And it also wants a full accounting of what's happened so far with the Wuhan China virus or whatever they want to call it. But that also annoys me because just banning gain of function research in China. I mean, I sincerely doubt that's going to be their first go to, given that the eyes of the world are on them. What it should say is the U.S. government should not fund anything that is illegal in U.S. territory. I, I don't know if you'd even have to ask if it's illegal because it's unethical or wrong or whatever. But there's a long history of the U.S. government. You brought the story about Guatemala and the medical experiments on human beings intentionally infecting them and the, that whole horrible story. But there's also I was reading a Jim Keith book. Uh, called Octopus about the murder of Dana Casolaro. And it had to do with the promised software that was stolen by Robert Maxwell. But it also exposed and people are still getting murdered here, um, not far from where I am or where we go in the desert out in California for covering up. I mean, this is decades after people are still an, an investigator got killed, I think, like 10 years ago for investigating a murder from 10 years before that. But all this stuff happened in the 80s and 90s. 
But one of the elements of it was a scandal of Wackenhut, a defense contractor, doing things on Indian reservations that were not allowed on in federal land. So they could do illegal testing and everything on Indian reservations, which which the Native American communities allowed before casinos were there because they had no source of income. So it's really exploitive of poor people to move that stuff out. But more important, like the gain of function is illegal for a reason. If you're it's not illegal because you don't want it on this land. It's illegal because you don't want anybody intentionally, certainly not tax dollars, trying to figure out like one of the things they did was to try to figure out how to make the swine flu more contagious. I mean, this was something that was done, I think, in Boston. Like, that's the kind of thing you do not want. That is where this gain of function comes. They're trying to do gain of function for vaccines. Maybe they already achieved that where it's contagious. So all of that uh, annoys me. There was um, a couple of other little items there on the um, vaccine and COVID front. I saw a big headline today that said healthcare workers vaccinate children against COVID-19 Thursday morning, as soon as it was authorized by the FDA for five to 11 year olds in a uh, New York City health and hospitals location in Harlem. And this also tied into Fauci because I read a great book by Liam Sheff called Official Stories, where he goes into how they would diagnose little babies, orphans in Harlem as having HIV, which don't even get me started, like uh reinventing the AIDS, <laughs> the HIV virus, whatever it's called, by Duesberg, D-U-E-S-B-E-R-G. It's introed by um, Carrie Mullis. The, these babies did not need to be taking AZT, and they took AZT, and a lot of them died. This was like the government went into an orphanage and did that, and Chef laid it at the feet of people like Fauci, maybe not Fauci by name, but it was that era where Carrie Mullis named Fauci. This is happening right now. Who would give their kids who are not at risk for COVID, the vaccine, first and foremost, well, people who, I wonder if their parents even know about it uh, up in Harlem. So, and then the last there thing- There was I a think, case where somebody got vaccinated without their parents' consent, they say by accident at a school. Oh, many, oh, not, I, we have been told about people who, whose kids are doing, are just going and getting it and the pharmacies and stuff aren't asking. There, there is that. I think that is intentional. There was a Yahoo article on the front page saying how to get the vaccine without your parents' permission. Really, really messed up. Wow. Oh, yeah. I mean, or it said something like kids are getting the vaccine without their parents' permission. Here's how. You know what I mean? Like they didn't it didn't say that it was instruction, but it was instruction. It was really disturbing. They make they've made it like something forbidden you know like alcohol before you're 21 or cigarettes before you've oh. ever smoked we got to sneak and do it because our parents won't let us and the peer pressure is there unbelievably like that clip that you brought to the rockfin video the deep dive where they were just plotting to get the adolescents to torment their parents into agreeing they showed so a picture of the kids lining up to get the shot today and the article was framed in a finally it's here everybody can rejoice type way and the kids are just they had their mask on and they're like terrified like yeah because it is it, nothing could be more natural than to not want needles penetrating your body. Like there's no evolutionary or natural reason for us to have needles bypass all the 
you know, all the mucosal <laughs> barriers to poison that is set up on the actual holes that are already in our bodies. But uh, I did want to uh, clarify something about Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, who he did not say that he was inoculated. He said he was immunized. Oh, immunized. Right. Yeah. So because I looked that up once before and inoculated, I think, does kind of mean that you're you got a shot, whereas immunized, he was probably immunized because he had it before and he had the immunity. So now that you hear the story, well, he was misleading and he's he's I heard them say he's got COVID. That really annoyed me because, yeah, he got a positive test, but he's supposedly does not have symptoms and those tests are so often wrong. And I'd like, I think this will be interesting to see if he does get symptoms because he may well be immunized. Yeah. And if he's, you can be, yeah, you're immunized. If you get the virus, maybe he had it already. And they're talking about him saying he lied. He intentionally lied and he put other people in danger. They don't know that the media doesn't know that they don't know that his teammates didn't know he has no obligation to tell the media if he is vaccinated or not. Yeah. And, and he does, and he did have the immunities. He probably had proof of immunity, which a lot of people who are vaccinated do not have proof of immunity. And I thought that was an interesting little detail in the article I was reading today about it. It said clubs are not permitted to comment on a player's medical status other than referring to roster status, according to NFL and NFLPA policy. Then it goes on to say, I mean, this is ridiculous. It says, but being it just says being placed on the reserve slash COVID-19 list for a player who tests positive or has been in close contact with an infected person. So they don't tell you the status, but they tell you that they've been placed on a list that reveals the status by its very title and the nature of being on the list. It's absolutely outrageous. Dean told me that they handle Dean on Twitter and he does very good research. Yeah. He said that they handle people who are vaccinated versus people who are unvaccinated. The protocols are slightly different when they test positive. So that is it. Their vaccination status would thus be revealed if they ended up testing positive because it's handled differently. Interesting. Well, we saw in the CDC where it said to use a lower cycle rate for vaccinated people which doesn't make sense at all because that means that they, I mean, if you're talking about, well, it doesn't really me measure viral load. So no reason even quibbling about that, but it's just revealing yeah. that they want vaccinated people to test positive less. It's also, yeah. It's also interesting that there doesn't seem to be as much hate directed towards Aaron Rodgers as there was towards Kyrie Irvin. I, people are mad at Aaron Rodgers, but. And how did Jonathan Isaac get away without uh, being I'm because nobody wants Jonathan. Jonathan Isaac has his research. He has his message, and mm -hmm. he knows how to answer the questions. The yeah. dude has practiced it, and yeah. he delivers it so well. They don't want to mess with him. I think, and it's and it's not just that that he practiced it. You can tell that he's has he's well educated, has experience in speaking. He could field questions, so he's thoughtful. He's religious. He's it's profoundly authentic. It's you know, deeply held. Yeah. You probably don't want to mess with that guy. So we have the same story. I'm going to let you take it away. I I'm still fascinated um, by this Alec Baldwin thing, but you give us the lead off and I'll tell you what I think too. Yeah. There's been some developments in the Alec Baldwin shooting the, where the cinematographer died on the set of the film rust, the lawyer of the film's armor, Hannah Reed 
has gone out on the defense. He's taken to the media circuit to defend his client, putting this to the court of public opinion public opinion and he has floated the possibility that the cinematographer's death was the result of onset sabotage this is very interesting for a number of reasons one is as i said her lawyers are getting out there and getting in front of cameras while other people who were involved are staying away from cameras so they're clearly trying to take control of the media narrative about it to defend her and point the finger in someone else's direction or a group of people's direction by suggesting sabotage i would love to read this one paragraph statement they put out because it totally blows up any of the ridiculous explanations they said could have accounted for this because what they said was that the live round got in there because people on the set took the gun and went hobby shooting, plinking like, like hay seeds with the hay hanging out of their mouths. I mean, instead of paying attention to their job, they were overworked, but they were going plinking with, I mean, which is insanely dangerous. So I, I haven't heard that story for a while. This is what she says. Hannah Gutierrez Reed would like to add a few points to the continuing narrative on the tragic events sh- surrounding the shooting on the rust set. First, Hannah was incredibly safety conscious and took her job very seriously from the moment she started on October 4th. She did firearms training for the actors, including Mr. Baldwin. She fought for more training days and she regularly emphasized to never point a firearm at a person. Never in a million years did Hannah think that live rounds could have been in the quote, dummy round box. Who put those in there? Because they found them there. Who put those in there and why is the central question? Hannah kept guns locked up, including throughout lunch on the day in question. And she instructed her department to watch the cart containing the guns when she was pulled away for her other duties or on her lunch break. Hannah did everything in her power to ensure a safe set. She inspected the rounds that she loaded into the firearms that day. She always inspected the rounds. She did check the firearm again right before handing the firearm to Mr. Halls, the AD who was the one who actually handed it to Baldwin by spinning the cylinder and showing him all of the rounds and then handing him the firearm. No one could have anticipated or thought that someone would introduce live rounds into this set. The only guy between her and Alec Baldwin, according to the narrative right now, is this Halls guy, unless she's lying. But well, she, you know, she it, might be. But Yeah, Halls is somebody they seem to be pointing the direction at. But He's gone on and done this twice. So the first time he did this was on the Today Show yesterday with Savannah Guthrie. And you do it one time. Maybe it's not intentional to suggest sabotage. But then when you go the next day and you deliver the exact same message, then you're definitely trying to put out, this is what happened. My client is innocent. And the group he seems to be pointing the finger at the most in these statements are the people who walked off set and were disgruntled. He says people walked off set and were disgruntled. They were mad. The weapons were left unattended for a few hours because my client had a second job that she was responsibly going yes, to do. Yes. So she gave the gun to the AD and yes. for two hours, the weapons and those box of bullets were unattended to where somebody, one of those disgruntled people who walked off set could have come on set and sabotaged it. And I'm counting down how, how much time until it's revealed that possibly some of those people that walked off set were Trump supporters. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me if that popped into this narrative. Maybe, maybe. I, I 
personally what my theory of the crime is. I think that this is a massive psyop that was set up probably two years ago or more um, with Alec Baldwin totally in on it. This is just my theory. Um, I, I don't know, but it's it was his the the movie was his conception. He's basically paying for it. He's works with that um, the director before. And and I think tellingly, they're abandoning the project. Now, I understand that that may seem like the thing to do, but they there are other times where accidents are on set. They do not abandon the project. I feel like this was maybe a project that never really would get done. And it's very weird that the plot was that someone was going to hang for an accidental killing. I mean, that is just weird. This stuff is weird. And I, I accept the, the sabotage thing as a possibility. Um, and the reason I do is that this Hannah Gutierrez Reed, she doesn't seem to be in on it to me. So she was sabotaged. You know, I don't, I, you know, and I, with these things, I never even know what's really happened to the alleged victim. Like, I don't know. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but I just I just don't know. This is a very weird story. And the thing that makes it hang together, those guys popping off offset that doesn't hang together. That's not a plausible story. And that's critical to this narrative. Yeah, I expect this to get ugly in the media. It, her lawyer taking this approach, it seems like it's going to create maybe Baldwin, maybe the AD, maybe some of the people from Offset to have their lawyers come and present another story that maybe directs attention towards her. Cause this seems like an aggressive approach for her lawyers. And I still think there's something to what you said about this kind of being, you know, serving an agenda and oh. that agenda being to eliminate the right to work state status across the country. So no, that take over. that's your, yes, that was that's, your, that's my, yeah. that's your theory of the agenda. I definitely think there's agenda, but I think there's multiple agendas and one major one, which popped up in my mind right away. And I am hearing them talking about it because Alec Baldwin is such a, an opponent of gun rights that they will eliminate guns from films the way they've basically eliminated cigarettes. Wow. And they eliminated kissing and close contact and a lot of stuff during the pandemic. So movies are just going to be people standing off in corners shouting at each other, I guess. Well, didn't they go back to, I think, E.T. and replace the guns with walkie talkies? I don't know. Did they do oh, that? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. If you see E.T. on TV, it's not the one that you saw when you were a little kid. Do they talk into the guns on E.T.? I don't, is that I don't know. I didn't go and rewatch it, but you can just Google that. I've seen yeah. the like stills of it. Yeah, they've done that with a few movies. It's uh, they with Seinfeld. Of course, they didn't. I, I won't go into the Seinfeld story. Maybe in the XR, we'll go into the Seinfeld story. Robot takeovers happening. We've been talking about, been tracking that for a little while, and I have a couple of robot takeover stories for you today. One in the DNB and another in the XR. This first one comes from Netflix, and you know, a lot of screenwriters today are going to be envious of. Bots, a lot of aspiring screenwriters anyway, are going to be envious of bots because Netflix has released its first ever horror film written entirely by bots. It's a four minute animated film, short film, and it is titled Mr. Puzzles Wants You to Be Less Alive. It's inspired by <laughs> very clever title from the bot. <laughs> Films inspired by the Saw franchise and its antagonist, Jigsaw. And in the movie, I'm going to give you an overview. It's yeah, I think you can watch it. Uh, it's definitely on Netflix. It's real short. I've watched part of it. 
Mr. Puzzles is a deviled mask villain, and he has a woman trapped named Jennifer in what appears to be an abandoned warehouse, and he has her dangling up, hanging by a rope, her feet, and she's way up in the sky, like hanging in the rafters, and below her is a giant circular saw. So if she were to fall, then that's it for her. And in order to save her life, Mr. Puzzles is presenting a bunch of random puzzles to her that she must correctly solve. Otherwise, she will fall. And the movie even features an undercover cop trying to rescue her who is disguised as a whale. It sounds like a Batman episode with the Riddler, like exactly. It's it's yeah, it is a bit strange. And of course, it's by, it was written by bots. And the way that they did it is they got this guy who has written some bot articles. He's a writer or maybe, you know, maybe bots write his articles. I don't know. His name is Keaton Patty. He's like a new he writes for The New Yorker. And they trained the AI by having it watch over 4000 hours of horror movies. And then they unleashed it to write a horror movie of its own. Well, I've read plenty of articles written by bots for sure. You can tell. You yeah. you can usually tell. Well, sometimes you can tell. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess we wouldn't know if we couldn't <laughs> right. tell. <laughs> All right. Before we get to our final story of the Free 30, I'm going to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the DNBXR, which is 25 Facebook code words that were recently revealed in the Facebook papers and yet another story of robots taking over our jobs, similar similar but different to that one. And if you think the Gabby Petito story was interesting, Monica has stumbled upon a missing woman story in California that will blow your mind. So get ready for that. And I also want to give a big thank you to our sponsor of today's show, True Hemp Science, truehempscience.com slash prop report. They are your CBD experts. And what makes them different is that they create handcrafted, full-spectrum, high-quality CBD products by sourcing the highest grade of hemp from around the world. My personal favorite is their Acapulco Gold Lotion with hemp extract. And they have awesome T-shirts as well. You always get somebody to come up to you and say, cool T-shirt. You start a conversation there. The best thing about True Hemp Science is the personal care and service they will give you. If you're new to the hemp world, trying to understand how you can benefit from it, they will give you personal attention, tell you how you can use it, what's best for you, and answer any of the questions that you need. Use prop code when you check out and you will get the propaganda report discount. That's prop code truehempscience.com slash propaganda report support us by supporting our sponsors these are liberty loving companies that are fighting through this with us so help them out they got great products also we are continuing to expand our offerings and improve them we have our premium content that we now offer 50 minutes commercial free dmb monday through thursday including the live stream video on thursdays that you're watching right now on rockfin for rockfin subscribers and on most Fridays, we have an exclusive interview with a thought leader, a subject matter expert, or a particularly original fellow podcaster. And we also have our patron-only Q&As on Patreon. And we do deep dives on here where, where we reveal what the secret plans are of the controllers. Then two weeks later, you hear Biden say the exact same thing. It's astonishing every time it happens. And we're going to be recording one later today. So sign up at rockfin.com slash propaganda report for that. Check out our tiers at patreon.com slash propaganda report for our Patreon tiers. And if you want to see the XR portion of this show, if you're watching on Facebook at 30 minutes, we will be cutting off the stream, but we will continue on Rockfin. So rockfin.com slash propaganda report. Sign up there. Now on to our final story of the free 30, which I did not tease. (laughs) 
That's okay. I'm sure people are still listening. Yes, yes. All right. So the UK is often, they create laws and sometimes we then later create laws that are modeled off of some of their laws. And that's definitely where this is kind of heading when it comes to regulating the internet and Facebook. So the UK has an online safety bill and this new bill that has been presented could criminalize certain behavior that causes emotional, psychological, or physical harm to the likely audience member. The lawmakers in UK are considering making it illegal to post content online that causes emotional or psychological harm to that audience and punishing the violators with jail time. Excuse me. I just read an article about COVID hysteria triggering psychosis. So this is, should put Fauci in jail. Was that the delirium story? I think I found it in um, natural news or something. So I don't know where it came from originally. Yeah, they are. They have been talking a lot about psychosis and delirium being triggered. But I've been telling you, I mean, we've been talking about it. We've both observed it that I really believe that what's been happening in the digital space and the and social media and stuff in the past year and a half has been intentionally causing mental illness, extreme mental illness. And that chick, that COVID, that um, global health chick who said she wanted to get into the heads of the teens, I think that she intentionally meant to cause that kind of absolute they really intentionally I, I i think we should go back and listen to that because it was looked like they were just doing a marketing thing but the way she's saying it like she wanted to control the minds and the emotions of the people who the young people by shaming them about the vaccine about like you are not a good citizen you are not part of the group these are things that really matter to especially people who are on social media all the time. I think it's totally intentional. I mean, they, they really pick and choose who they want to punish. And even when you go to YouTube and stuff there, they take down my stuff and, and there's no way to, to screen out inappropriate things for like teens. You can, you can get it to like little kid stuff, but that's it. YouTube actually prevents people from curating YouTube content for decency or messages or anything like there are third parties that want to do it and they're not allowed yet. They're going to take this kind of thing just to censor our discussion of things like the constitution. Yeah. Or questioning the, the election. I mean, really that basket yeah. of anybody who questions the, yeah. the narrative or does not comply is going to be the type of people that fall under this threatening communication. They actually call it on the bill. They say threatening communication and knowingly false communication. That, that's the way that they, they frame it. Even this, though what they say is knowingly false. This is all coming out of they're putting it all on January 6th, which was people exercising their first amendment right to assemble this nonsense about riots and stuff. They didn't even have any kind of, even their state, stuff didn't come out for months after that. And we knew numerous people who were there and saw nothing of the kind. The vast, vast, vast majority of the people there were there to uh, exercise their First Amendment rights and support constitutional processes. It's This is outrageous. I mean, if I understand you, you're saying it's the UK, but obviously... Well, it's yeah, just but we, like, our stuff gets modeled after the UK. Facebook is working with the EU to create, to take on their values for the metaverse. 
Yeah, they go to the countries where the laws are written to. So I always think like Israel has a lot of tech. Russia used to, used to be able to do psych experiments. China does the surveillance. And then they bring those like best practices here. And if they can't get through the laws here, they do it through these these corporations like Facebook, which are really quasi governmental entities. Anyway, you really got me fired up, but we should probably finish the conversation in the XR. All right. I think that right. wraps it up. Yeah, I got a little message. I've, I've read it before, but this is pertinent to tomorrow. I'm going to read it. This is from uh, one of our favorite patrons and big supporter of the show. On Friday, November 5th, uh, Ism Cants will be live streaming V for Vendetta at around 5.30 p.m. Eastern time on the Discord server, which is dppdiscord.com. He's doing that for us, for Propaganda Report listeners. It should finish the movie right before the Disappearing Patron Party, which is for our patrons, which if you want to join, patreon.com slash propaganda report. Just make sure you're in a party tier. Uh, just read the descriptions. Before V for Vendetta, he's going to set a playlist for a bunch of other tunnel movies, because I always say meet me in the tunnels, because that's what it was like in Demolition Man, The Matrix, uh Total Recall. So those are some of the movies he's going to tee up there, which is pretty funny. Movies that have tunnels in them, dystopian future predictive programming. All in good fun, of course. He's going to set that playlist to run from 8 a.m. Eastern. That is pretty awesome. All the way till the V for Vendetta starts at 5. Anyone is free, or 5-ish. Anyone is free to pop in and join. You don't have to be a patron or anything. You can just go to dppdiscord.com. It is definitely going to be fun. We just really love that guy. And you can meet him if you're at the DPP on Friday. He's the life of the party. Yeah, he is. He kills it in the uh, the comments section. He's hilarious. All right, you guys can find your Drive Time News Blast every weekday afternoon at thepropreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to that extra content that I told you about, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report or go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report. If you are not here right now, we will talk to y'all tomorrow or for those of you that are joining us in the XR, we will talk to you in the XR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.